Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. With me today, Gretchen, welcome to the show. Hey there. Bill's going to be joining us a little later, but we're going to be covering the front part of this for the moment here and dealing with the news in a couple of minutes. But uh, you know, springtime is finally upon us, and it seems like it's at least up here okay to go outside all of a sudden, at least without getting soaked. <laughs> and I understand that uh, down in Nevada there, you guys were having snow until as early as a week ago. Yeah, and and it's hot, cold, hot, cold, and, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It just, it, it makes it hard. I know, um, yeah, and I'm not a big fan of a desert climate. Everybody knows that, that knows me. But the thing is, is still, we're kind of having the same thing here. I mean, they're saying that we might hit the 90s this weekend. And yeah, then, we're going to have warm temperatures too. Drop back down in the 70s. I like the 70s. I don't yeah. like the 90s, so. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I guess it'll be time to wake up the air conditioner and check that out. And uh, you can have such things, you know, home warranties are kind of the rage right now. A lot of people are getting in these. If you own your house, you can buy. It's a kind of insurance that covers most of the stuff within your house. And uh, I'm going to let everybody know how that works because I think I have to have my air conditioner fixed. Uh-oh. So, uh, And we have a home warranty, so I'm not promoting or going against them right now. I know in the past they've usually helped, uh, you know, stuff costs less, but uh, I'll let you know if this goes. If um, I'm burning up in a week, well, uh, you'll know that I'm maybe not real happy with the home warranty. <laughs> oh, is there going to be lots of beeps in the... In the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah, Bill's not on right now, so he'll fix it in post, and I'm glad he's not on right now because he punched me for saying that. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, we'll see. We'll see how all of this goes. All right. So what is in the news this week? Samsung tells employees not to use AI tools like chat GPT, citing security concerns. Yeah. So I was looking into this, trying to figure out what these security concerns are. And one thing I think I kind of knew about this a little bit, but when I work with chat GPT, I work with chat GPT through the, I guess, his interface, if we want to use a pronoun, right? So, uh, but through the interface that's provided for that. However, the AI can be built into a lot of other products, and that's what Samsung's actually talking about here, is that there could be some security risks based on the way that you get to the AI. So, oh. uh, you know, this is very new technology, and I think that we're going to obviously find a lot of things that come out of it that haven't yet been realized. But security online and on the network and on the internet, obviously, has always been a big deal. It's becoming an even bigger deal. We're going to be talking later in the show about a big uh, hack that Russia was doing that they finally found and took down. So, you know, the online is definitely an area that there can be all kinds of problems. So when you bring new technology to the table, there's always going to be some things that come up. So we're going to be looking into this in a little more detail, and we're going to be talking AI in a future show here in some depth. So we'll certainly look at security when we get to that point. Anakin? Padme, Darth Maul, and more join Fortnite in new Star Wars event. Yeah, so this is kind of fun for Fortnite fans, and uh, May is the month of Star Wars Day, which is May 4th. May the 4th be with you, may the Force be with you, and then my favorite day is Revenge of the Sith on the 5th, right? So Hmm. um, in line with this, uh, geeks such as ourselves celebrate Star Wars Day in May, and Fortnite is no different. So they're coming out with a number of different things. This actually started on May 4th, and they're dropping some different things within their games where you can have special 
trooper outfits. There's a Darth Maul outfit that you can get uh, among a number of different other things. Unlockable awards you get in. There's some special Star Wars things. You can meet your favorite characters in holographic form on an island in the game. And they're <laughs> going to be dropping these things off. Uh, the Force Within, which is good right now. Uh, the Clone Wars have or begun the Clone Wars have, uh, which started just this last week on the 7th. Then what they call Episode 3, Fall of the Republic, goes live on May 12th, which is today. And, uh, no, yesterday. And then finally on the 17th, the First Galactic Empire. So if you're a Fortnite plan, fan and you uh, play the game, let us know what you think of this. And yeah. is this something kind of cool? Is it just a way for them to make money? I mean, what they're looking at here looks like it's kind of fun. So you'll have to let me know. Microsoft's Bing chat box gets smarter with restaurant bookings, image results, and more. So tell us so about the, that. Microsoft, and I, I will just say this, and I'm sure there are other opinions out there, but uh, Microsoft's browsers have never been something that at least I have used as my primary web browser. So we had Internet Explorer. We've talked about that. That finally was uh, put out of its misery earlier, recently. And Microsoft Edge has taken over for it. Edge, in my opinion, is a much is a much better browser than Internet Explorer was. But I still primarily use Edge to install Chrome, right? Yeah. However, the usage of Edge is going through the ceiling because Bing, which is their search engine, their competitor to Google, is now using AI. And they're actually implementing it in a way that is kind of really nice where you can just ask questions and it will give you plain language results. And it seems to work quite well. So it only Microsoft started in the browser market in 92. It is now 2023. So, you know, if at first you don't succeed. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Physicists create elusive particles that remember their pasts. Well, this sounds kind of weird. Yeah. So, Gretchen, why don't you tell us about this? Um, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just make something up. Of... I'm a writer, okay? I yeah, will make up go. crazy you know, stuff. A, a, a very uh, famous group of people once said to me, only you know, fiction has to make sense, right? So this doesn't because it's nonfiction. Um, <laughs> okay, how do we explain this? It's a article... They call it a next-generation H2 processor that synthesizes and manipulates non-abelian anons in a novel phase of quantum matter. Does that explain it to you? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. well, some this of those actually words into... sounded familiar, but I don't know what they mean. <laughs> yeah, some of them did, uh, you know. But uh, what this is actually talking about is something that most of us probably have heard. It's the idea of quantum computers. So. Yeah. This is something that's been talked about. The technology does exist. It's not that widely adopted yet because it still has some problems. And what it is is the ability to process information in a non-binary fashion. Now, anybody that knows this is going to say, boy, you oversimplified that. And I did because going into the details of it, it would require an engineering class and a lot longer than we have here today. <laughs> but what they're looking at here is articles that are able to remember where their existence was, what the state of the particle was in the past. So why this is important is, I, the best way that I could explain that is to think about something like a flash drive. So in the early days of computers, your memory, the moment it powered down, you lost whatever was in it. To 
save something, you had a hard drive or a floppy disk. We all remember those or whatever. And flash drives became a big deal because it's a kind of memory that doesn't lose the information when it powers down. Well, I think the best way to explain this is this is a particle that's kind of like that, except it's an atomic particle instead of a flash drive. So for anybody to where that doesn't make sense, which is going to be 90% of us, I think this is something that we might dive into a little bit deeper on one of our future podcasts. So okay. I'll let you know when that happens. But what I'd like to do is get somebody on from the uh, group that's doing the proof of concept from this, be able to explain it probably in a way that's a lot better than I can here and now. All right. Well, maybe you can tell us about juice jacking becoming a problem. Yeah, this one's a little easier. <laughs> it's not so okay. cerebral. Uh, juice <laughs> jacking. Okay, this is what was our Tech Wednesday from this week. And check it out at theanswerportland.com if you'd like to read the article or userfriendlyshow.com. Uh, either place has that information. But basically what's happening is this is a fairly new kind of scam. And what it is is it works along a lot like the ideas of a credit card where they capture the uh, credit card information like a skimmer where you plug your device into a USB port to charge it, but that USB port has been compromised. It's either a fake one that the bad guys have put there or they've corrupted the software within a real one. And what happens is because USB can communicate with the phone as well as charge it or the tablet or the computer is it will either put malware on your device or it will steal information off of your device. Best way to avoid this is bring your charger with you, plug it into a regular outlet and use your own equipment. Unfortunately, the convenience of this stuff is there, but it's just, it can be problematic and you really have no way of knowing. If you've been hit by one of these things, you might see that your phone's acting weird. And again, check out our website. We've got a lot of details there on what to do and how to fix it. Okay. And I have some sad news here. Silicon 2023 canceled. Yeah. Silicon Valley Comic Con or Silicon as it's been known in recent years in San Jose. Great event, combination of technology and pop culture. We love it. Yeah. It was done by Apple Computer. Unfortunately, they're not going to be producing this year. The official statement is it has to do with problems still from COVID. And, you know, these big special events cost a lot of money to put on. And when you have something where your budget for two years basically doesn't exist, it can cause problems. They're talking about looking at future shows in future years. But right now, there's no announcement. So I, for one, hope that they're able to bring it back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Anybody that's been listening to our show for a while knows that most of us are gamers in the sense of role players. We like D&D and cyberpunk and all these other things. And one of the companies, or the probably biggest company that makes games is Wizards of the Coast. Dungeons and Dragons, Magic Cards, and a number of other systems come from them. But lately, they've been trying to release some new technology. And um, I'm not sure the acceptance has been all that great. There's some other things they're putting out there. so. Bill, what have you found? I know that you've been watching this a little bit. What do you think? Well, you know, like you said, to preface, I am a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons fan. Um, I used to play Magic the Gathering when I was younger. Luckily, I sold all my cards before this situation. But Wizards of the Coast really needs to get a better PR agent. Like, Okay. <laughs> okay, because earlier this year, they had a thing with uh, the OGL, or Open Gaming License, which is 
their license that allows other companies to publish books that are, you know, campaigns or whatever for fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you know, without copyright issues. Um, right. The primary problem is, though, is they released this one. It was uh, looked like a last document. It was sent to just creators. And, of course, they tried to walk it back saying, oh, well, we wanted feedback. And it's like, you wouldn't send a contract to them without it being a final draft. And it was ugly, to say the least. Um, it had things in there that basically left a lot of people, especially those who, like myself, that upload uh, D&D games that we play onto YouTube, questioning if we're going to be able to do that. And huh. after a lot of issues and some stupidity on their part, let's just be honest, um, they had people saying some things and one of them came back being very gaslighting and terrible of them being like, oh, well, it was this and this and this. And it's like, do, do you think we're dumb? <laughs> you know, so, no, and I'm, I'm going to just throw this in there because I know one of the issues that I had heard about is um, we were told not to use what is a D and D one or one, something like one D and D one D and D because apparently if I created a character, I couldn't talk about the character on the show. Well, that would have been D and D beyond. Okay. Um, one D and D was the previous idea that they were just going to make a constantly updating version of Dungeons and Dragons, which really was just going to be 5.5 and they finally dropped it and it is just 5.5 edition um what it is is D&D Beyond was something they purchased it was an independent company that allowed character creation tools had the books they bought it out and it's a subscription service that's where they got hurt the most was people canceling their subscriptions to it and you know this this wasn't just a few people it was probably 80 to you know 85 percent of the people that had them and a lot of people you know were angry at the whole situation and that was part of that ogl scandal and that was also the issue with it would have been that you are signing these copyrights like oh well this this and this and everything you would make that was dnd related would belong to them you know and they could use it however they wanted nonsense so if you designed a campaign of your own they yeah, would own the rights a, to it. As if a you writer, did it under their OGL. Yeah. And, you know, as a writer, I, we don't get paid anything. Whenever I look for stuff that um, to apply for, it's always do it for free. No. That's the reason why they have well, a writer's strike. And and if they the, the, the Wizards of the Coast want people to to just write modules and then give it away for free, that's terrible. Well, the problem is, is there there is a way around it. But the problem is, is it takes away the control of the creators and it makes the creators not want to create because they're not going to have anything. And I hate to say it, producing two books a year is not going to keep a game floating for Wizards of the Coast. They rely on everybody else to make content. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm in I have five Kickstarters just right now that are regular books that are D&D 5e compatible. But but this gets worse. Uh, you know, they, they kind of walked it back and people were finally a little bit like, OK, OK, they learned their lesson. Until the end of April, where this poor guy who goes by the name Old School MTG on YouTube, um, his true name is Dan Cannon. He ordered some cards from the current set that is out of Magic the Gathering. 
he got the unreleased set that's supposed to come out, uh, I think, at the end of this week. And Wizards of the Coast sent literal Pinkertons to his oh, no. home. And uh, yes, they knocked on his door Saturday morning. It's like 6 a.m. or something. Scared his, this guy's poor wife. And they were like, well, we've been trying to contact you, blah, 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 blah. And Wizards of the Coast, you know, they discovered that Wizards of the Coast was using an unlisted number. So, of course, I'm going to be honest, who here would answer an unlisted number? I wouldn't. Right. I don't. I wouldn't. Yeah. And they, didn't, they wouldn't that leave would a voicemail. Yeah, they wouldn't leave a voicemail, an email, anything. And so these Pinkertons are just being aggressive, you know, doing that foot in the doorway so you can't shut them out. They finally they threatened him with like $200,000 in fines, saying that he stole stuff. They were going to get the sheriffs involved. You know, he could be in jail for up to one to ten years because he stole this stuff. And it was like, first of all, what it really came down to is some distributor somewhere in the chain screwed up. And sent the wrong thing to him. Right. But this all could have blown over. But the thing was, is he kind of opened them and unveiled them because it was like, well, heck, I just got this new thing, you know, and he's seen him. Other people do it. Well, Wizards had an embargo on them, which here in the media industry, we know that an embargo means, you know, we we hold to that or they probably won't like us anymore. Right. Yeah. Exactly. In the, it, but in the real world, it's not an, a non-disclosure agreement. Right, you know, it's yeah, you're just, just not going to get future content. That's the, about the so, only thing. That so would basically, happen. the guy is a customer, and he did an unboxing or something. Well, he's a, he considers himself a hobbyist, and yeah, he did an unboxing. Uh-huh. And it, he he had a channel that only had like four thousand followers at the time, and so he did this little unboxing. Uh, what he said like Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then Saturday morning is when this all started. And of course, he got a hold of the Wizards of the Coast. Uh, representative who they the Pinkerton said you better call them or else and it was just you know it's just a bad look for them because here's a guy who's passionate enough about your game to do unboxings to do make content for you to advertise for you freely and you couldn't just be like oh well okay well we just need the cards back or you know you take your videos down and wait till the 10th or the, the release date right you know be nice about it instead of you know literal well as they call them public sec- you know uh, private security but yeah they're sending mercenaries to get your cards back yeah let, let's be honest about the pinkertons they they yeah. they are employed by places like amazon clearly hasbro and yeah. other companies to break unions to intimidate people you know they they their history is strong arming and intimidation that yeah. that's what they do yeah, it just no it is so nope. listen we're about out of time here but you're gonna have to let us know what actually happens with all of this is if this guy's still alive in a month and <laughs> what they uh what they do but what a what a mess all right well we'll keep on top of all of this and keep the questions coming in and let us know what's going on and uh we'll endeavor to answer them this is user friendly 2.0 we'll be back back after the break Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We talk a lot about hacking and computer security and all of that on the show. Big thing, big topic with uh, everybody right now and will continue to be, but it isn't something that is that new that there are these problems. And one big one has come up, 
And it was just announced this week that um, Russian security agents have been using a secret network of corrupted computers to spy on NATO for decades. And here in the United States, we just busted it open and have gotten the problem resolved. So where is this bunch well, of computers? It, the bunch of computers is distributed pretty much worldwide. And what they did is they were able to get a piece of malware into the system that was distributed uh, to all of the other ones that were infected. This is very similar to the attack that happened about two years ago in which they were able to corrupt a uh, vendor. And the software from that vendor was distributed to all of the downstream servers that were subscribed to it. This worked in a very similar way. They called the tool, the cyber espionage tool, as it's being called Snake. Okay. And this was something that was absolutely around there. It uh, had victimized, as they say, several sectors, government facilities, manufacturing, financial services, education, media organizations, and small business. And I'm sure the list goes on from there. So, so what is this like the botnet problem or is this something separate? This is something separate, but it works in a similar way. So you're dealing with a situation that you have a number of computers that have been affected. And then once some have more have just like with the botnet thing. And one of the things that's going on right now is as we get more and more complicated systems, everything is tied more and more together. So what happens is, is, where even 10 years ago, you might have a file server in your business and it runs things, you get updates off the internet and that type of stuff. Today, that system is probably on the cloud somewhere. And even if the equipment does still exist in your office, it's receiving software updates automatically from multiple vendors, which are doing different things, whether it be upgrading your operating system or your antivirus or software that's installed or whatever the case may be. And these type of attacks, what they do is they don't go after your own equipment anymore. They go after the vendor that's distributing the software to your equipment. So what happens is they only have to compromise one system, and then that system will compromise all the others. Hmm. So that's hmm. how it's different from something like a botnet. Okay. But a distributed system you know, still works in a, in a very similar way. So, And this has been going on for about 20 years. Jeez. And because of some the system it's hit, a lot of information that was considered to be private and all of that kind of stuff evidently wasn't they've been known they've known about what's been going on now one of the other bad things you can do with this too and we were talking about the um, juice jacking problem where bad guys would put malware on your phone or your device is the same type of thing because once these things are infected it might sit there and the company that's operating the server never knows about it but it's still clandestinely sending information and then they can send a command to it that could shut everything down at a later time. So that's another issue that can come out of these type of things. And the way that this one would work is it would send data through compromised systems, uh, mainly those run by NATO governments and then some of the other verticals that we just talked about. And it would transmit the data through the compromised systems in the US before it got transmitted back to Russia. And the, doing it that way, because the information originated in the United States, it made it difficult for victims to uncover how the network was connected because looking at the network traffic, you wouldn't necessarily see it because it was being sent back to the monsters after the point of acquisition and not necessarily even directly off of your own equipment that was infected. Oh, okay. So, and uh, you know, so the way that they attacked this is they created a call called uh, Perseus and it was designed to communicate with the snake malware and use commands to basically make the malware 
uh, essentially self-destruct. Huh. So that's how they got rid of it. And one of the advantages in doing it that way, unlike the attack that happened two years ago, is it means because they've been able to neutralize it, you don't necessarily have to reload all the servers and all the other stuff. Wow. So, yeah, wow is about <laughs> right. So <laughs> they're still trying to figure out what information has been communicated. Some they know, some they don't. But needless to say, you know, we don't really want the monsters having anything. And at the end of the day, I don't even want them knowing what my shopping list is for the grocery store tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. So anyway, at the end of the day, it looks like they're getting it cleaned up. But yeah, this has been something that's been 20 years in the making. And Jeez. it has taken some work of some real experts out there to be able to get the situation handled. So we'll see what comes up. But I'm sure there's going to be more news in the future on this. Uh, but at least it's found out and at least it's being dealt with. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This was the week of Google I.O. This is a conference that's held every year. We've gone in the past, and Google talks about their newest devices and different things that they're putting out, and they had a lot to talk about this year. Now, AI has been a big deal. We'll get back to that in a minute because that's a big part of this, but one of the biggest devices, which has been talked about for a while now, is a new version of the Pixel. The Pixel is Google series of Android phones. And they're actually a decent series of phones. I've, I've had one. Gretchen, I think you still use one. I still have um, one. Yeah. Yep. And they're coming out with something called a Pixel Fold. And this is like the Samsung Fold, obviously. It's a phone that when you unfold it, you have a much bigger screen. And then there's another screen in the outside that's like a standard smartphone screen. And... It's an interesting idea. Um, I've seen these, or at least on the Samsung side, and they seem pretty cool. They've gotten it to a point now where you really don't see the line down the middle anymore when it's running, hmm. and they work pretty well. Uh, of course, open your checkbook. I believe these are starting at $1,800, wow. which would make them the most expensive pixel on the market, although not as expensive as the Samsung Fold. So, so how sturdy are they're... they? I'm sorry? How sturdy are they? Well, according to Google, very. According to some of the critics that looked at them, they're built pretty well. They're built along the same line of quality of a standard Pixel phone. So in that sense, you know, they're pretty good. What I wanted I know, to Bill, ask What do is, you use for a smartphone? I'm, I have a Motorola Razor that's six years old. Um, okay. <laughs> but, I, I, but I think about this, too, is when you look at that price tag, Outside of an Apple phone, which I think is just ridiculous, but I have my issues with Apple, always have. Spending $1,800 on a phone yeah. is an investment in a computer. You, I use my yeah. phone more than I use a laptop nowadays, you know, for everything. Huh. Checking See, email, checking. But that's, you know. So it's would just a how phone, it is. So would yeah, a phone I, I like that make you happy? I would use it. Yeah. See, I think that's where I'm coming from, too. I would use it, although I might be a little scared to use it just because of the price. And like you say, it's uh, as expensive as any computer. I mean, I think they're going to be pretty popular, the Samsung Fold, as long as it works properly. So 
Now, as we said in the beginning of the segment, AI has been a big deal this year, and to a point that in the two-hour keynote at uh, Google I.O., they used the term AI over 140 times. Wow. And <sighs> they're introducing this. Now, um, we've talked a lot about ChatGPT, but there's another AI that Google has called Bard, and its launch kind of got glitched, but they have fixed it now, and they're introducing this into a lot of their different products and services and things that are coming out there, including things like photo editing and Google Workspace, Google Docs, that kind of thing. I was expecting and, him to sing. Yeah, well, that's kind of <laughs> what I got from that name, too. But no, it's a chat bot like a uh, chat GPT or, you know, plain English type thing. And uses a much larger language processing model and does better with other languages and some things like that, too. So, um, you know, that's going to be kind of interesting. Now, one of the questions that comes up, and I know we're going to be talking about this in the close a little later, too, but is this idea, is anybody worried about the fact that AIs can write their own code and reprogram themselves? I mean, that one poor robot who committed suicide after 15 minutes of doing his job because he was just moving a package from one thing to another. And as soon as the AI realized that was the job for the rest of its existence, went in, rewrote its own code, and killed itself. Yeah. There's really? a video of it. You could watch it. You can literally watch the moment where it just stops and just kind of slumps against the wall and slides down. It's just like, wow, that, oh. that's pretty bad. <laughs> you expect well, a human worker ask, to do this. <laughs> we and, and you know, I know we talked about this another time too, but the number of neuro connection equivalency in something like Bard or ChatGPT is about twice that of the human brain. Do you think we've reached singularity yet? No. I don't. It'll be interesting to see where, where we end up with that. And, I, and like you say, a lot of the interesting things are happening that wouldn't be expected. Well, we're going to be seeing AI in Google Maps. We're going to be seeing it in Google Docs, like we just said. Uh, even things like generating wallpapers for your Android phone. A, a lot of different things that that's going. So another big announcement that was made is Android 14 is coming out. And this isn't a shock, uh, especially since it went into beta in February. But they're going to be shipping it pretty soon. Uh, a lot of the features coming out with that is compatibility for larger screen devices, including the Fold, um, standard refreshes to boost speed, battery life, and operation. Satellite connectivity support will be in the next generation of your Android phone. All that's coming with that. And then one of the other things is, is Wear OS. Now, Wear OS is an operating system for wearable devices uh, based on Android. And they're adding things like WhatsApp to your watch. I don't know how necessary that is, but they're going to have it. Huh. It reminds me of something years ago. It was like something that you had, and then it, like they added like a salt and pepper shaker or something to it. And it was like, why? It was like a watch. It's like, ah, yes, here's this. And <laughs> You know, I, I think one of the craziest things I have is my uh, smart speaker connected I won't say her name so that it doesn't activate here because I didn't mute it, but your smart speaker connected soap dispenser. So I've got this thing next to my sink, and when you get soap out of it, it activates the smart speaker to do whatever script you wanted to do. Hmm. So <laughs> I don't know. It seems like uh. we're going in a bit of a different direction with some of these things, but hey, you know what? It's kind of fun, and it surprises the guests in the bathroom. So there you go. Great. Um, the other thing, that, uh, Pixel Tablet. And there's been a Pixel tablet, but they're coming up with a new one. And it's going to be 
focused on things like video conferencing, multiple household accounts, Chromecast. It can be a hub for your Google Smart Home, uh, compatible with wearable devices and that type of a thing. Okay. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. $499. And by the way, the suggested retail price on the Pixel Fold is $1,799. That was about $1,800. I was only off by a buck. So, you know, <laughs> it, the conference was fun. I know when we all got to go to it previously, you get to see a lot of cool things. I got a cool t-shirt. But it is interesting to see where all this is going. And AI is obviously a big deal now. So we're going to see it in a lot of different things and kind of see where we end up. But those are the big announcements. I'm sure there'll be some other things coming out. We'll see where it goes. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back. Have you seen him? He's from the future. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. You know, Gretchen, we've, we didn't do a Q&A this week, so I think this might be a good time to touch upon this. But some of the questions that have come in and some of the things that are coming up dealing with AI and this being such a hot topic right now, um, you know, two of the main ones, do you fear AI and do you use chat GPT and other hmm. chatbots that are out there? And I'm finding that, you know, at least in my industry, a lot of people talk to chat GPT. I know I do. And there's a lot of uh, Good information. You do have to check to make sure everything's accurate. That's one thing right. I noticed. Um, but yeah. What do you think? I, I you know, I, I really don't know. I haven't really talked with um the AI. Um there's Alexa. Um, but um you have to realize that some of the first AI personalities that were fictional, like the um, where the guy that keeps calling the other guy Dave. Oh, uh, what yeah. was that, 2001? Uh, uh, yeah, Dave. I can't do that, Dave. I know what you're talking about. I'll think and of the name of it. Was go also ahead. another AI in Star Trek, uh, yeah. Nomad. And so those two AIs were kind of scary. So maybe there's something in the back of people subconsciously thinking that they're going to be like that. I don't One know. of the concerns that's coming out is the fact that AIs like ChatGPT can write their own code and they have the ability to reprogram their own software. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you know, yeah, so okay, I see that, that <laughs> uh, you know, going down the wrong road there could potentially create some problems. Now, quoting fiction, you know, Star Trek Voyager, the doctor was an AI and he was grumpy, mm-hmm. but he didn't really go off the rails. So, you know, there are good ones too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And, you know, the idea of, of fearing it, I think that this will very quickly create a huge upset again in the job industry because yeah. a lot of things are going to change. That's definitely, I think more so than them taking over the world would be a concern that I would have. And, you know, really going down the right path. Now, AI augmented things and, you know, anything that has the ability to be upgraded and have additional features could definitely at the end of the day, you know, come out with some kind of superiority. And um, that being said, there is maybe a concern going that direction. But again, at the end of the day, it seems like, you know, and one of the other questions I think too on this and something, you know, Bill can comment on too is, have we actually reached singularity or not? There's a lot of debate on that. Now, I will tell you one thing. There, I think, are 500 trillion, if I have that number right, connections in the human brain and ChatGPT has a billion. It's like twice as much. Wow. Um, 
So, you know, if you look at it from cognitive recognition there, I might be wrong on those numbers, by the way, but it is, he's double the human brain at this point. So that being the case, you know, you're looking at something there too, that could be, I don't know, maybe it scares people to think the computer actually could be smarter. I see where it is. Well, I don't know. With AIs or not, this is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2023, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Views expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by VMI. Hosting and technology provided by wearetechnology.com. Listen at theanswerportland.com, userfriendlyshow.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts.